Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you, and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Yeah, when you look at the Christmas story, what you've got to do is, the Christmas story is a story of beginnings. But the truth is that the Christmas story doesn't make a lot of sense unless you get to the end. Uh, The truth is, is why is a baby born? And why a baby being born, do we suddenly get together and sing songs and, and, and embarrass people and give presents and cut ham? I mean, this has to be more than wise men and shepherds and, and gifts and turkey and all those other things. The only way we truly get to celebrate Christmas is if we understand the purpose of Christmas. The reason we celebrate the beginning is we have to go to the end. And maybe you're here today and you've been following Jesus for a long time and you've just got in the rhythm of Christmas mangers, hark the herald angels sing and that's it. I just wanna help remind us today of the bigger picture. And maybe you're here in church for the first time and you don't normally come to Christmas and you don't actually understand why does the whole world celebrate the fact that a baby was born. I wanna show you the ending because it's only when you see the ending do you understand why we celebrate the beginning. So let's work backwards. Let's go to the end. Now you might think that means Easter, we'll get there in a moment. In the Bible, there's a book called Revelation. It's the very last book of the Bible. And if we're gonna go to the ending in order to understand the beginning, uh, the end of the second half of the Bible called the New Testament, there's a book that shows what's gonna happen at the end. And if you wanna know how it all turns out, to have peace in no matter what season of your life, find out what happens at the end. And when it talks about Jesus at the end, it actually doesn't talk about Jesus as a baby in a manger at all. The Bible has well and truly moved past heaven. All of earth has moved past the baby in the manger. In fact, it doesn't refer to a baby in a manger at all. It refers to Jesus as a lamb. Everyone say, meh. Revelation 5 says this, in a loud voice, and I've lost my voice this week. I've had laryngitis, so I need your help. I want you to read this with me. In a loud voice, they were saying, let's read it. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And it goes on, it says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea, earth and on the sea, and all that is in them saying, come on, this is what all of heaven says. It should still be on the screen. If not, you can't say it with me. There we go. The next part, they were saying, sit, read with me. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. When we get to the end of time, it talks there about Jesus being in glory and it refers to Him as a Lamb. Well, if we understand the ending, well, if we know where it lands, how does Jesus being born in a manger end up with Jesus being a Lamb? What's with the Lamb? We have to go to heaven to understand how it all ends. But if we wanna understand why we see Jesus as a Lamb, and I wanna say He's literally not a Lamb, it's just a picture of who Jesus is. We actually have to come a little bit back in the story and now go to Easter. We're not at Christmas time yet. Why do we have to go to Easter? Well, it's here at Easter, a man called John refers to Jesus this way. Behold the Lamb of God, and it'll come on the screen if we can. Behold the Lamb of God who takes or carries away the sins of the world. So Jesus at the end is referred to someone like a lamb. 
And then we get back to the mission and story of Jesus and how they saw Him when He was a man, 30 years old, and there they refer to Him as a lamb. But they say He is here to die and take away the sins of the world. Today I wanna ask this question, why did Jesus, the baby in the manger, have to die? Surely there is a less brutal, less cruel way than a man dying on a cross. Why, because we had sin, could God not just forgive us? Why couldn't God just turn a blind, blind eye? And why the Lamb? Well, I wanna simply remind us today of the purpose of Christmas by going to this story at Easter for a moment. Because we have to remember that God is perfect and we are not perfect. And that God gives life. But everything we do in life points to death. So therefore, because we are different to God, we fall short and it stops us being in relationship with God. God is perfect and we are not. Therefore, it causes a separation between a God, a Creator that made you and me. It causes separation between the Creator and the creation. And the truth is because we all make mistakes, there's consequences in life. The Book of Romans says it this way, the wages or the consequences of sin is death. So if God is life and we fall short, it means that we are the opposite to life, which means we end up with death. And what happens is we end up finding that death in shame and guilt and regret and eventually eternal separation from God. So God in His kindness, Back before we get to the story of Jesus, the Bible has a part called the Old Testament. And there in the Old Testament, God in His kindness says, I am gonna set one day aside, one special day every year where you can bring all of your stuff. You can bring your shame, you can bring your guilt, you can bring your regret, you can bring everything that you've done wrong and I will forgive you for what you did. Bring all of your stuff for me this once a year and we can have a fresh start, a clean slate, a new beginning. However, because He is life and our sin meant there had to be death, there had to be death of something. And God didn't want you to experience the sacrifice and the death. So He said, what I'll do is I will accept an animal to die in your place. And of course, that animal was a lamb. It wasn't any lamb though. It was a firstborn lamb. It had to be a firstborn lamb. It was the first lamb that was born in the flock and it had to be perfect. It had to have no marks and no blemishes. It had to be without stain. It couldn't have dirt or mud or it couldn't be broken or wounded or sick. It had to be the perfect lamb that would die in our place. So quick summary, God looks at us and we fall short of His perfection. It means we can't have relationship with God and we carry all our mess, our stuff, our junk, our shame and our regret wherever we go in life. But God doesn't want you to be separated from Him. So He says something has to pay the price. So instead of you paying the price, I will accept a firstborn lamb in your place to die in your place on this one condition. That lamb has to be perfect. Because that offering had to represent what we wanted to become. You see, this sacrifice was not just for God, it was also for us. And when we see that perfect animal, it was a picture of how we desire to be perfect and whole. You see, only a spotless lamb 
could take the sins and the sickness away from you and me. And only a spotless Saviour could take the sin and the sickness of the world from you and me. So you might ask today, what does this have to do with the Christmas story? Why are you giving us a bit of the story of the Bible? Why are you going to Revelation? Why are we talking about Easter and sacrifice at Christmas time when we were just talking about gifts? You see, just as the angels announced in heaven, here is the Lamb of God and everyone began to worship. And just as John said, here is the Lamb of God, come to take the sins of the world. At Christmas time, the angels also come with the very same announcement. Let me read it to you. It says this in Luke chapter two, verse eight to 12. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you, say it with me, good news. Today is a story of good news. I bring good news that'll cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. And then this, this is what we often miss. It says this, this will be a sign to you. So read it with me one more time. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uniquely, when the shepherds are there in the flocks and the angels appear and the angels tell them, God has come. I bring great news, I give you great joy. I'm telling you, it's a new beginning and a fresh start. And He says to the angels, the Messiah is here. Your Saviour has come. The angels say, and this will be the sign, that the baby would be wrapped up in cloth. Now, I think this is a little bit odd because the truth is every baby gets wrapped up in cloth. No baby just stays naked. They get the moment they're, 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 they're fed, they're wrapped, cleaned up, wrapped up, and they stay that way for the rest of their life. I mean, when I had my boys, I never said to anyone, come to room 204 at the Women's and Children's Hospital and my kid will be the kid in the Bonds onesie. It does, you don't skip, go to that level of detail because it's irrelevant, it doesn't matter. So why do the angels say in the most important announcement in all of history, here is the sign, the baby will be wrapped in cloth. You ever wondered that? The answer is found in this question. Have you ever wondered how a baby lamb doesn't get any mud on it? Have you ever wondered how a white sheep is unmarked, untamed, not sick, not affected, running around in a field, is perfect and whole? The answer is found by this question. Have you ever wore white pants before? Have you ever worn white shoes? Have you ever worn a white dress, Jane? It's lovely. You are guaranteed that the first day you wear those white pants, someone is eating something with sauce. <laughs> or that you eat a sausage roll and you tell yourself, I won't spill anything on me, and bang, you spill it on your white pants. You're guaranteed that if you're wearing a white top, some coffee stain's gonna get on there somehow. Even if you didn't drink coffee, coffee gets on it somehow. You're guaranteed if you're wearing a nice new white pair of kicks, that day someone is going to stand on your shoes. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Have you ever gone to someone's house and they've got a beautiful couch and they wrap that couch in cling wrap or whatever it is because they wanna be sure that it has the best resale value. Who's one of those people that protect your couch? There's a couple people. Who's ever got into a nice car and the person wants to protect the seats so they put seat covers on the seats in order to protect the resale value? Who does that? Because why? Because we know that if we have something of value, Value, it is going to get stained and it is going to get marked. So God says, the only way you can be forgiven and have relationship with me is you have to get a wild animal and you've got to ensure that between it being born and it being sacrificed, it gets nothing on it. Do you ever read the Bible and wonder, man, what is he talking about? How do we do that? A lamb. A lamb is an animal that doesn't tread cautiously, also doesn't drink coffee or eat meat pies, but it lives in fields and there's mud and dirt. And I mean, this is like Israel. I mean, there's dust and rocks and dirt everywhere. And God requires this animal to be perfect. So I don't have a baby lamb here today, but I do have my son, Jordan. Can we welcome him to the stage? Come on, Jordy, come up that way. So what they would do, when a, first, when a firstborn lamb was born, is they would... I just wanna see if you already do. Say hi to everyone. Hello. My boy. What they would do when a lamb was born and it was a firstborn lamb ready to be sacrificed, is they would take wrapping and they would go to that baby lamb and they would go around its whole body and they would wrap the lamb with what we would use like a bandage, cloths, often people would, some of the uh, commentaries would talk about, this would be temple cloths or, or priest cloths that they used to wear. And they would wrap the lamb up from the moment it was born so that nothing would get on the lamb. Thank you, Geordie. Can we give it up for my boy? Now, who would do this process of wrapping the sheep? Was it the person that had sinned and needed the lamb to be sacrificed? No. Was it the high priest who would sacrifice the lamb? No. The people that would wrap the firstborn baby pure lambs were the shepherds. So all of a sudden, the angels come and the first announcement that Jesus is born is to who? It wasn't to those that just fell short and it wasn't to the priests, it was to the shepherds. And they said, here is a sign that you will understand. You will find a baby that is wrapped up in cloth. They weren't just saying, it's a sign, it's a baby. They were saying, it's a sign that this baby is the Lamb of God that has been perfectly preserved and will now go on to live a sinless, perfect life to ultimately be the finite Lamb of God, the sacrifice that has come to take the sins of the world. So Mary wraps her child in cloth. We say swaddling cloth. But when you look at the Greek and the language there, it actually isn't cloth. It's actually the word for bandages. 
Because Mary is having a birth that probably has come on her quicker than she realised. She has no hospital, no inn, nowhere to go. And all she has on her to wrap her child in is bandages. They are the very type of medical bandages I just wrapped my boy in. The kind of bandages, when you look at the language, that they would use to bind a womb or a broken limb. This is what Ezekiel was prophesying about when he said about Jesus, I will search and that Jesus would search for the lost and the bring back the strays and I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. You see, the sign to the shepherds that we overlook was that Jesus was wrapped in bandages for you and I as the picture of the very one who would be the Lamb of God that would come to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick and the sin of the world for you and me. You see, what this is, is a prophecy of His mission. So if we have to understand the beginning, We have to go to the end. So Jesus has now died on the cross and the Sabbath is rapidly coming. And Mark 15 says this, So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body of Jesus that had just died on the cross, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in the tomb cut out of the rock. See, what we have to understand is the reason we get to celebrate Christmas is because Christmas is a foreshadow and a type. It's a picture, it's a prophecy of the mission of what Jesus has come to do. And when Joseph wraps up Jesus in that moment, guess who's there? Mary. Once again, Mary and Jesus are there in a cave and Jesus is wrapped up in cloth. You see, there are pictures right there at the beginning that point to His mission right there at the end. At the beginning, there was nowhere to place this baby lamb Jesus, so they borrowed a stable. And there at the end, there was nowhere to put the body of Jesus, this this crucified lamb, so He was lamb a tomb. The stable was likely carved out of a rock. The tomb we know was carved out of a rock. He was wrapped in cloth and laid in a manger only to be once more wrapped in cloth and be laid in a cave at Easter. But this is not the end of the story. You see the angel that announced at the beginning, he is born and wrapped as a sign for you, is now the angel at Easter that says, He is unwrapped and alive forevermore as a sign that the work is finished. What began in a manger ends in a tomb and that is why we celebrate because it is not just a story of new life for Him, it's a story of new life for you and me too. Amen. And what's amazing is right at the beginning in this manger, who is there? It's Mary. And right there in this next garden tomb, who's there? It's Mary. See, Matthew 28 says this, after the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, what did they see? It's important. It's all connected. Verse five, the angel, when they got there, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as He said. 
And then the angel says, come and see the place where He lay. Why would an angel wanna show the place that Jesus lay if Jesus is no longer laying there? Why would the angel wanna point to the spot where Jesus is not? Well, we get different versions of this story shown through the different authors in the Gospels. So now we're gonna jump over to John because it shows us what is left where He lays. It says, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. You see, at the beginning, there is a sign to shepherds whose job it was to wrap a newborn lamb that would ultimately be the sacrifice to take away their sin. But now they go to a manger and there is a woman named Mary who has nothing but some bandages to wrap her child in that would fulfil the prophecy that one would come that would bridge the gap between us, separation between us and Him. Jesus would live a perfect life. At 30, John would say, Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. And at 33, He would be the sacrifice for you and I. He would die a sinner's death and He would be laid wrapped in a tomb. But here is the sign at the beginning. He will be wrapped. And here is the sign at the ending. He has now been unwrapped. The sacrifice has been paid. The price has been accepted. He is risen. The wrapping is no longer required. The sacrifice is accepted from God. And now we can celebrate. Amen. See, the beginning is worth celebrating because the beginning points to the ending. Keys can come. What does this mean? It means the very things that once covered you, shame, guilt, sin, death, whatever you're carrying, Whatever has covered you this year, whatever fear has covered you, whatever worry has covered you, He was wrapped and then gloriously rose again and became unwrapped so that He could be covered in your shame. He went to the cross so that ultimately while we look at the cloth, the cloth is only a sign. It's a symbol of what Jesus would do for you and me, that He would be wrapped up in the hate you feel. He would be wrapped up in the shame you experience. He would be wrapped up in the fear that's caught you. He would be wrapped up in the sickness that's limited you. But because He is the perfect Lamb of God, He's got you covered. 
But this Lamb who began His mission at Christmas fulfills His mission at Easter that now we see in Revelation, He is the Lamb of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is King forevermore. And now because He has ruled and reigned, because He paid the price, you no longer have to be covered in shame and guilt and regret and hate and sickness, but now you can be covered in righteousness. You can be covered in joy. You can be covered in peace and you can be covered in healing. So Romans 4 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Catch this. The perfect, unblemished Lamb of God, God Himself, never wanted us to have a one day of connection and then 364 days of separation. So He humbled Himself and came to earth as you and I, a baby in a manger. But this sign of the beginning would be the sign to us forevermore that this Son of God was wrapped and unwrapped and gave His life when I deserve to be punished. And if we understand this, that our sins are gone not for a day and not for a year, but the shame and regret and pain and hurt we all experience is gone forevermore. And that even if I may fall short, I'm forgiven. And even if today I'm sick in Him, I know I'm healed. And that I have this promise of life eternal with Him. When I understand the beginning and the end, it's only then that I get to sacrifice at Christmas. Ham's not worth the celebration. The gifts will come and go. We will wake up this morning and it is Christmas and we'll wake up tomorrow and it's over. It's worthy of joining together as family. It's worthy of singing songs, but it is not worthy of the celebration or that we give it when we fully understand the only reason we celebrate is not those things. The only reason we celebrate is because we are loved. We are forgiven and the price has been paid. Christmas is the story of His humble beginning. But you cannot tell the story of His humble beginning without His horrid death that then went to a glorious resurrection so that you and I can now live forevermore. It is He who at His beginning had no place at an inn and He who had no resting place to go when He died that now makes a place for you and me to live forevermore in a place where there is no more pain, there is no more tears and there is no more suffering. He laid in a tomb so that you can live forevermore. He died so that you can live, that though He was rich for your sake, He became poor so that now through His poverty, you can become rich. Therefore today, we can celebrate that Jesus is alive. He came as a baby. He lived a perfect life as a man. He died a sinner's death on a cross. He was wrapped and unwrapped. The sacrifice was accepted and the angels now declare what we will sing forevermore. Worthy is the Lamb. Glory to God in the highest. Good news for all men. Joy 
for all mankind that we can know that He is worthy of all glory and honour and strength and power. This is why we sing. This is why we celebrate. This is why we're generous because He was generous for me. That He was wrapped because I was wrapped in my shame and guilt. And because He is unwrapped, I am now covered in His glorious righteousness forevermore. So we give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. Worthy is the Lamb. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you wanna know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus, we can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.